welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. This week's ABCA podcast guest is current professional baseball player, Nashville artist, and proud to be in baseball co-founder Brian Ruby. Ruby played high school baseball for his father in Pennsylvania and collegiately at Vassar College. Ruby's currently playing for the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes in Oregon. In the offseason, he works in Nashville writing songs for country music. Heading into his senior season at Vassar, Ruby decided to come out to his coaches and teammates. Since then, he's been an advocate for LGBTQ baseball players. Proud to be in baseball at a booth at the Nashville convention this year, Ruby's been coming to the ABCA convention with his father since he was a kid. This episode is an open and honest conversation about how inclusion can help the players that you coach. Ruby's a good example of how numbers on the field improve when players feel comfortable and seen. Let's welcome Brian Ruby to the podcast. How's it going? Good. How have your travels been? Good. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man, I was in San Francisco two weeks ago, LA last week, Albuquerque for a few days, uh, stopped in... Um, Nashville for like 24 hours, unpack, do laundry, repack, uh, flew into Florida. Um, the reason I asked to move up today is because actually um, I got asked to sing the national anthem for the Braves versus Dominican Republic World Baseball Classic. Oh, wow. Today. Oh, I'm here with Brian Ruby, proud to be in baseball. I uh, was at the ABCA convention this year for the first time, but a uh, current baseball player has been at spring training, but just said he's getting ready to go sing the national anthem here for the World Baseball Classic, but lives in Nashville in the music industry. So, Brian, thanks for jumping on with me. Thank you. How's it going? Good. Can, uh, can Just for people that don't know you, just kind of talk about your journey in baseball. You have a really unique path with, with what you've been able to do, but just talk about your, your journey in baseball. Yeah, man. Um, indie ball guy. I'm 27, still playing. Um, played Division three ball in college at Vassar College up in upstate New York at Poughkeepsie. Um, I played overseas, and uh, it's been, I don't know, I think seven, eight different countries by now. Uh, winter ball, summer ball, you know, same thing, uh, repeat. 
um, played in uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, Guatemala, Winter League, Chile, Peru. I played in the UK a little bit this past summer. Um, coached the team in Cuba with my dad. Coached a youth team one winter. Um, and uh, an indie ball on the West Coast uh, up in Oregon. And, you know, kind of just a journeyman guy, but um, still kicking and, you know, glad to be here. What has driven you to keep going? You know, you know, 27, still playing. What, what's driving you to keep going? Yeah, I just love playing. Like, you know, there really is no feeling like stepping on in the ball field. And it was kind of crazy, like, the day – the day that I graduated from college, like all my teammates were really depressed because they realized, well, it was really after our last game, after we got eliminated um, senior year. And I think like, I just had this drive to just do whatever it takes to keep going. Like I have taken overnight buses, you know, it's the least glamorous thing ever, like overnight buses down the coast of South America with no air conditioning, stuff full of people, with my baseball bag to go to a tryout, like, and try to get a spot somewhere and have failed over and over and over again, but have just refused to quit. And, you know, like in COVID, like I was the only American guy who played in the Guatemala winter league, like everybody else that the team was coached in Spanish, like really crazy experience, sleeping on a mattress on the floor in a little concrete house with, with, uh, three concrete walls and a tin roof and you know just like the least glamorous stuff but but I've just refused to quit and have kept getting better as a player I'm way better than I was when I was a senior in college like most guys you know they think oh if you, if you don't develop by sophomore junior year oh you're not gonna become a pro you're not gonna get drafted or whatever or or you know ascend up the ranks and for me it's just like refusal to one it's a lot a lot of work like I always work always always in the gym always in the cage um but two is just refusal to quit and I'm always doing stuff to try to take care of my body better ice baths you know um went up to Mindstrong Academy in in uh, Minnesota trained with Harvey Martin a little bit um have really dialed in strength and conditioning over the years and just honed my process and each year get a little smarter and and I mean I just feel like I'm continuing to get better and maybe it's not on a path towards the big leagues as a guy who's 27 and still in indie ball but it's all right man like I I'm get to lace lace them up every day you know how long have you been doing the ice bath uh, a couple years so yeah, the protocol how I know there's there's multiple different protocols but what's the protocol that you're using for ice bath when you're yeah. using it well, ideally you do it, you do a mixture between like hot and cold. Like if you, you can get in a, in a, I mean, in a sauna, if they have one, um, and get really, really hot, get it full sweat. And for, for, I don't know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, if you can, and then go straight into the cold and maybe back and forth a couple of times, if you can handle it, like to just kind of shock the body. And I found that like, I was in a sauna, a few well, not in a sauna, sorry, in an ice bath um, a few weeks ago with just a bunch of like regular people. And I, they like couldn't get in. And I realized like I have been training this long enough that like I just stepped right in. 
and I feel like it's good for my immune system. The season is a grind, like, and the fact that I can, and, and it's good for my muscles and my body, like, you know, um, I'll get in the cold tub. I don't, I won't do heat after games like over the summer because it's too hot already but i'll get in a cold tub like in the um in the training room just to kind of chill out a little bit after a long series or even just put my lower body in so my hamstrings can and quads can just like you know it feels good coming out of that so even it's though a it's kind of like, released thing too like that that's when you when you look at the research it does reset the yeah. dopamine in your in your bloodstream also yeah for sure and and if you know it's almost like you get addicted to it like you want to feel that like it works off the same receptors as addiction honestly yeah. like when you when you look <laughs> at it you know it's all those same receptors in 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 your brain where addiction happens in the same area so it, it does make sense that that it does make you feel better and obviously yeah. it's a healthier healthier option than turning to substances to to get that yeah. type of feeling I also feel like it's kind of mental. Like if you can, if you just played a double header and you're dog tired and you can hop in a freezing cold ice bath for 15 minutes or whatever, um, you know, you can also take a bus down the coast of South America yeah. and get no sleep and get up the next morning and turn it on. Yeah. Like you can, you know, you can, you learn about your body. And you learn how to persevere through things like and and you can push you learn when you need to push and when you what it's going to take to push in certain situations and you can dial it in when you need to and i think that like the biggest misconception that i was you know i was thinking about this last night um like in the shower deep thoughts in the shower i was <laughs> um and, you know, for, for those of you who don't, can't see right now, we're, um, I'm getting ready to do a bunch of spring, spring training stuff. So, uh, still on the road right now. Um, but I was thinking about this, thinking about how, um, like in college, I thought that the pro guys that I looked up to, I thought, man, those guys are so good. They must feel so good every day. Like, and actually it's the complete opposite. It's, it's, you're rarely at a hundred percent because of the travel schedule and because of the amount of games played and everything and, you know, different circumstances, it's, it's being able to dial it in when you're not at a hundred percent and figuring out what you, what you can do to get your process as best as it possibly can be so that you are as close to a hundred percent. Maybe that's just 70%. Or, or maybe seventy five percent if you're lucky, but it's not twenty five percent. You know, so it's it's uh, that's that was a big. I don't know. I was thinking about that last night, like as we were getting ready for spring training stuff here. They're the best in the world mentally too. Like you know, yeah. physically, obviously, they have some God given talents and and abilities that were God given out of the womb. Eyes work better. You know, cognitively work better. But they're 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 the best at working through when they don't feel good and and still going out and competing and performing at the best of their ability. Yeah, yeah. I feel like me as a you know a guy who played Division three college ball, like I've never been the best physically, but I feel like I've been able to outperform guys who are far superior than me physically, just because I can gut it out mentally. Yes. 
and and I won't let that get in the way. And I I, I found that actually this might be a good segue into the <laughs> the other stuff. Um, that that was a huge barrier mentally. And you yeah. did play for your dad in high school. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, I used to. My dad was a high school baseball coach, FCS high school, Pennsylvania, ABCA member. Um, he used to take me when I was a kid to conventions. So I've when I brought my charity there this year, it was not my first time. Um, I kind of knew the drill. I would tag along and, you know, it's if you're a kid and you like baseball, it's like being in heaven. Like you go to all the booths, trying out all the things, you know, come home with a couple pairs of batting gloves and like <laughs> some gear. <laughs> um, it's a good, <laughs> good place to be. So, yeah. And, you know, and then Vassar, you and I talked about this on the pre-call, you know, you decided to come out at, at Vassar. You know, what prompted that for you? Because, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure when you, when you figured out you're gay and then how long you held on to that before you let anybody yeah. know. I knew in. I knew I was different than my teammates, like in high school, couldn't quite pinpoint it. I didn't really want to go down that path. I think just as a kid, I dreamed about like we all do about being a major league baseball player. Like, and you just look around and you can't really see at least, you know, well, you can't now still, but you definitely couldn't. Uh, when I was, you know, a decade and a half ago when I was a kid and, and, um, you look around and they say, if you can see it, you can be it. What happens when you can't see other people like yourself who are playing major league baseball? You know, you don't have a hero. Um, my heroes back home in Pennsylvania, Chase Utley, you know, Jim Tomey, I wore number 25 in college because of Tomey and those guys, I would go to Philly's baseball camp like <laughs> as a kid. And, you know, they gave us one day, they gave us a tour of Citizens Bank Park. We got to see the clubhouse and, you know, try on one of their jerseys. And it was like, those were my, one of some of the best memories of my childhood. But, um, you know, that's, it's amazing to kind of set yourself up on a path to, to pursue baseball. But um, on a personal level, like, you know, when you realize you're different than your teammates, it's, uh, it's really isolating. Um, I definitely felt as a kid growing up, in the locker room that I was all alone and I didn't know what to do about it. That was really scary for me at the time. I wanted to keep playing baseball, you know, and I thought that, well, shoot, if I tell anybody about this, then I'm never going to be able to play baseball again. My teammates are not going to like me, you know, um, it's, uh, that was, that was my probably biggest fear is, was, uh, you know, I was, I guess it's, it's one thing sort of learning to love who you are. And then, you know, that's a process. Um, and you know, a completely other thing to, to be able to stay in your sport. And so, uh, but I came out to my teammates in college, the guys were cool. I was actually about to be named captain as a junior. And I thought, man, if they know they're not going to want me as their captain, they're not going to want me to represent them. So I, <laughs> I told my college baseball coach, which is something that I thought I would never, ever do. Um, and it, it was so awkward for me to tell him because I, you know, I thought this is going to be the end of my time playing baseball, but I just felt like I was stuck in, and, you know, 
Did if you I set that up with him in a meeting? Just be like, hey, coach, I need to come talk to you. Yeah, I told him, I, I texted him because um, we were getting ready. They were getting ready to announce the the captain stuff. And and I texted him. He's like, all right, just – I said, coach, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah, just come to our office. And it's like, I really don't want to have this whole conversation, like, in the whole coach's office with all the staff there and everything. Like, it's it was already, like – so I said, hey, can you just meet me at the burger place that was like next to the campus, which is where we would go, you know, everybody would go for lunch anyway. Um, so we met over there and I told him and I was like, coach, like, you know, I I want you to know this because I'm, I don't want you to, guys to name me captain and then, you know, be upset with this and, and uh, but I'm gay and, and, you know, if that's a problem, then I will, you know, I will, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need to be captain. And he's like, man, we couldn't care less. You're the right guy for the job. You have my full support, whatever you need. Now, so and now was, at that point where you're like, well, I should have told him earlier. <laughs> no, well, I don't know if I was ready to really tell him. And I, and I also don't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to, yeah. like it's my personal life, but, um, you know, that, that was, that was a big, a big moment for sure. Um, and I had already told my family and uh, my friends and stuff. And um, so, but that was kind of the, the leadership position though. That was the sort of the, the fork in the road that kind of required that I felt. Um, and so. Talk about your on-field performance that. and what happened after that. For you. Oh man, I hit the year before I hit, um, I don't know, 250 slightly less lost my starting spot as a redshirt sophomore to a freshman, you know, so I'm starting at third base and lost my spot. That sucked. And, uh, then, you know, that all that happened and, and it was like a huge weight off of my chest. And the next year, the following year, I hit over 350 all conference started to, uh, for the first time talk about, um, potentially playing after college whether that was you know I was thinking draft at the time but you know indie ball whatever but just opened up a whole new door of possibilities uh, that summer went to the played in the, um, the Hamptons League summer ball uh, against a bunch of D1 guys at the time um, for the Sag Harbor Whalers hit over 350 there all-star team like you know got to play in front of scouts um, in the all-star game and, and, and just kept improving, got back to, I mean, it all started from that moment. Really. It was a huge weight off my chest, got back to fall ball in college and hit 450, like in our shortened fall season. And which was like hundred points better batting average wise than anybody else, you know, just because I was rolling and, and started to, um, think about baseball beyond college as a possibility, but it, it all came from getting acceptance. I think, you know, this is a podcast. I do all kinds of interviews. Um, it was crazy after, after coming out. Um, but, um, and how, how can coaches address this? This is a tough topic. You know, they, they, we, we have some hot button topics going on right now, and this is one of them. You yeah. Know, you look at some of the um, state laws that are going into play right now. Like that, there's a lot of things going on in America. These are tough topics. But when you look at the census numbers, I looked them up. 
We have 333 million Americans, but 5.6 of those Americans identify as LGBTQ. Right. And so there is a likely possibility that, that a coach has someone on their team. Uh, me yeah. personally at WIU, we had a player come out after he had got done playing with me, playing for us. And I really wish he would have come to me during his playing career because I think it yeah. would have helped him. Like immediately yeah. after he was done playing, he came yeah. out where I felt like if he would have come and talked to me about that, while he was playing for us, I think yeah. it may have went a little bit better for him in college yeah. with his playing. For sure. I think, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is like, if you look in the news at any given moment, it's it's a hot button topic. Like, I guess what I try to say, you know, and, and this is an interview specifically for like your audience of baseball coaches and baseball people. So, you know, to kind of narrow it to that audience, like to me, it's, and people ask me about this because I'm like, you know, I'm the guy with the charity that supports LGBT um, youth who want to play baseball. Um, like nowadays, more and more of the younger population is identifying as LGBT. Yep. So um, what is that? Like um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. There's all these all these acronyms, LGBTQ plus. I mean, it keeps going. But I guess for baseball specifically, we're talking more about the the G and the B kind of in the acronym. And we all get grouped together in this in this, uh, you know, kind of grouping. But Chris Rock be... talked about it on his stand up. I don't know if yeah. it was Chris Rock. He talked about it. He was like, you know, they, they, even though it's a group, like they are all individuals. All they, they're all different, even though it's lumped yeah. in as a group. I think it's easier for Americans as a whole to just lump it into one group, even though they're very separate as far as groups themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, in baseball, um, they say like 20% of uh, the youngest generation right now. So the generation who's in, I don't know, high school, college identifies as in that group. So, so statistically speaking, I mean, if you have a 40 man rostered yes. or um, I don't know, 30 37 or whatever you got that's probably like three three or four guys and and uh you know i saw it firsthand when i kind of came out and and i started to get messages from these guys and discovered like who they are but there is a huge population in baseball that is in this group that i think is just not playing to their potential because there's they feel like you know, they are going to lose their spot or they lose their job, you know, or scholarship or something. If their teammates find out kind of like I believed, I guess I'm the best. I'm a success story of somebody who received acceptance. You know, it was really the thing that I can say to this group specifically is it makes such a difference in a person's life. Like that moment that I told my coach and my coach was like, no worries, man, you're all good. Like, just keep keep doing what you're doing. I was being the first one at practice every day, last one to leave, like, you know, uh, helping the younger guys in the weight room, like, you know, leading by example, um, went to the NCAA leadership conference, like, you know, when I was a junior, like doing all the things that a leader's supposed to do. And that was just one other thing about me. And I think when they, when they realized that I was just kind of trying to you know, live my life on the field as best as I could and, and then live my life off the field and you not have to hide. 
like that was a huge moment of acceptance and I played so much better. And I think that teammates, coaches, you know, coaches usually, they don't know how to talk about this. They don't, it feels awkward. They don't want to say something that's wrong. And, and I think, you know, you don't necessarily need to say too much, just say, you know, we're cool. Like, and just let that player know that it's all good. And that player, because I've been that player and I talked to many of these guys on a day-to-day basis, consistently have the same fears of losing their spot. Not everybody wants the shame to feel pieces. Like, the shame piece is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, feel like there's something wrong with them. Feel like, you know, we've grown up, we've all been indoctrinated into baseball culture from an early age. Like we want to be a part of the team just like anybody else. And, um, you know, they, uh, you know, that's huge. And, um, you know, guess- you, hey, you were able to come to the convention this year. You went into the diversity meeting, I think that the Saturday morning meeting and you sat yeah. through it and then you, you said you were maybe not going to bring it up. And then you, you pulled the trigger at the end of it, but talk about how that is. I mean, cause again, you're in a, you're in a room with a diverse bunch, but it's still, it's still kind of a deal where it's like, okay, I don't know if I should say anything. I don't know if I should bring it up. Like, you know, for me, that was fascinating. You sit through it. You you maybe aren't going to bring it up, but then you bring it up at the end. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I, I have gone back and forth on this over the years that I guess what happened at ABCA is still isn't, is indicative of the whole last few years for me. You know, I was out in college. I, I told the story like, like you heard about coming out to my coach and, and our head coach and, and the rest of our team um, and received acceptance. But when I turned pro, I was told by not that coach, but another coach that I had had um, and was training with um, just to kind of get ready for pro ball. He knew about me, but he said, you know, if people find this out, you're never going to get a spot ever. Like kiss your dreams goodbye. You're, you know, you might as well get a real job. And that sucked to hear. Like if I, man, I have this, I'm so close to this dream of playing pro baseball. And, you know, now after I've come out, after I'm already living my life, like now I have to go back in the closet. That sucked. And, and, uh, you know, I, that's kind of how I operated my first, few seasons and and finally in 2021 uh, I was playing indie ball and um, the, really the thing that the moment that uh, kind of turned things around for me was um, I'd come off a, a good winter season shortened winter season in 2020 in the Guatemala Winter League hit 325 like you know had some options in indie ball um, and the coach that's when the coach kind of said that comment um he said if you ever post any you know any to ever tell anybody or if you ever post anything uh, sort of rainbow related on your instagram social media you'll never get a spot and so i was at christmas for the first time at my partner max's parents house his mom uh, lives in richmond in, uh, up in virginia and we we drove over there for christmas and it was the first moment that i have ever had and we've been together three and a half years at a um, significant other's parents' house, you know, for a holiday. So like a big life moment. 
we took this great picture, me, him, and his mom under the Christmas tree, you know, and I opened up Instagram to post it. And those words of that coach came into my mind and I didn't post it. And I, that really, that really sucked, you know, and I felt like I couldn't be myself. And that ate at me for a long time afterwards. And I kind of decided in my head, I was like, man, if I get, I'm so close to another contract in any ball, if I get a spot, I'm going to come out publicly. Like at that point, all my friends knew and everything, but I had never posted anything about it, you know, for that, because of that same fear. And so I came out that season in the summer in 2021 in a, um, in an article in USA Today. And uh, it was a life-changing moment. I mean, woke up the next day, had 6,000 notifications on my phone, all these messages from younger athletes. I was the only out pro baseball player at the time you know, who had publicly said, yeah, I'm gay and, you know, I'm, I'm a ball player. I'm proud to be in baseball. And um, was that the moment then that you're like, OK, I need to start a nonprofit for this as well? Yeah, well, that was the moment where I realized how many kids, not just kids, I mean, I'm getting messages from adults. pro guys. Yeah, yeah, adults, retired players, coaches, I mean, everybody. Like, uh, people in the front office, you know? Like, it's just people who sell tickets, people who sell cotton candy in the stands. Like, grounds crew, athletic trainers, like, everybody. It transcends, L you know, if you're LGBT, it, it, that that's not something that's bound by geography or location. Everybody thinks, Oh, well, you're, you're either in New York or LA, but no, like I'm getting messages. And I, I grew up in the Midwest and you know, you and I talked about this on our pre-call. I got to stay in coaching because of a gay man, a gay man owned a bar in Evansville and gave me an opportunity to bartend. Yeah. Let me travel with the team. I never missed anything. So I feel like I owe, the community something too, because I was able yeah. to, I have the career that I have right now because a gay man was able to hire me, allowed me to travel with the team. The bar yeah. I worked at was a straight bar, but he was gay. That's yeah. why I'm in the position I'm in right now. So I feel like I owe something back to the community as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I guess getting those messages, I realized, man, somebody kind of needs to form this community in baseball. Yeah. Because there are people out there and there are people who who are like younger versions of myself who need help. And so that's our charity is we, we started as a website, you know, since then, that was a year and a half ago. Um, we we now have our 501c3 uh, and we're registered in the state of Tennessee. Um, we, you know, you can look us up proud to be in baseball.org or on social media. Instagram, Facebook, at Proud to be in Baseball, Twitter, at Proud Baseball, because <laughs> there was too many letters. Um, but we formed that and, you know, kind of been doing events and, and speaking and stuff like this to just kind of promote the idea that you can be proud of who you are and be a member of the LGBT community and you can play baseball. Like those things are not, you don't have, it's not an either or, it's 2023, it's possible. And that's really the message. It's a positive message. Um, but to answer your question, I know I didn't really answer it. I kind of felt like I needed to tell that story because it's in the last couple of years have been exactly what happened at ABCA. That moment of, I don't know, should I say this? Like in this environment, I, I it kind of feels awkward. Like, I'm, 
you know, I was sort of listening and I was excited. It was probably the most excited, uh, the thing I was most excited for at ABCA. We had a booth on the convention floor. You know, we were talking to lots of people. People were signing up for our email lists, uh, which you can do on our website and, and you know, um, learning about our charity. And we were really the only LGBT, only rainbow themed booth that I could see there. And I walked around a couple of times, um, just looking just to see, but the diversity presentation was the thing I was most excited for. And because I thought, I thought maybe this is where, you know, we'll hear something. And so I sat through, it was back to back presentations, um, or panels. Um, and I guess after about four hours hadn't, hadn't heard the words LGBT mentioned once. And if it's going to be mentioned, like, this is a diversity presentation, so this is probably the place to, and I was like, man, should I, should I say something? Like, what? And I was kind of making eye contact with Carrick, uh, Carrick Jackson, coach of, of Memphis, and who was kind of running everything. And, and I, my hand was like up and down and up. And he, I think he was like looking at me weird because he couldn't really understand what was going on. And, you know, I was just kind of having this internal battle whether I should raise my hand, but I thought, man, I'm just going to go for it. Um, and I said, you know, and there were people there from major league baseball and, and the NCAA. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to accuse here. I just want to kind of wondering, has, does anybody know of any programs that are in place to kind of help LGBT athletes in baseball um, or really anything that's being done? Um, besides just having a promotional pride night at major league stadiums. Um, and it was crickets. I mean, even the people from major league baseball, they, uh, they said, you know, and then basically after that, I said, well, if you're interested, <laughs> if, uh, if you, if you kind of want to help sort of not kick this door down, come talk to me after the session's over. So, had a bunch of people coming up, talk to me and get a stack of business cards, um, which has really made the whole conference worth it, you know, cause we paid for a booth there and, and, you know, came out of our, our charity budget and, you know, we don't raise a lot of money. So I was really a little nervous about, about that side of it, but, um, but, and being in Nashville in the music industry too, you know, you're right there. So obviously it was a little easier than you having to travel somewhere else because you, you were in Nashville. Yeah, for sure. We're based in Nashville and, and my off season job is, is in the music industry. So, you know, out of all years, that was, <laughs> it was a good year to be at ABCA because it's right on our home turf um, at Opryland. But I think really it, it made you know, after the fact, after after I asked the question and the people came up to me, it, it made it worth it. And it made me realize this is exactly why our charity needs to exist, because we are the people who are doing this. And we can take a leadership position in this, this field, in baseball. We are the experts on this topic, you know. Um, and, and I was like going to ask you, I mean, who – you know, Billy Bean is about the only one that I knew, but then you brought up Glenn Burke and then you sent me the book. Appreciate yeah, it. I haven't, I haven't dove into it yet. It's in my, 
I'm going to get into it, but because I didn't know Glenn Burke, I didn't know his story, but you know, you and yeah. I had talked about Billy Bean on the pre-call, and then you brought up Glenn Burke, so I didn't know, but you said Billy Bean and Glenn Burke have been kind of advocates for you doing this, correct? Yeah, uh, Glenn Burke was a player who played for the Dodgers and the A's back in the 70s, early 80s, who um, came out as gay after he retired. He actually passed away in the 90s. Um, so he was the first major league player to come out after retirement. Billy Bean was the second. I think he came out in right about 2000. Um, and he's still alive. He currently works for the commissioner's office. He's a special assistant, I think, to the commissioner. And he does a lot of the diversity-related projects for MLB. But um, one thing, Billy's a hero and a, a mentor and a friend of mine. And he's kind of doing things at a on a bigger level, like um, – Anytime there's an MLB Pride Night, you know, good chance he's there. Um, but I guess, you know, when I asked that question at the convention, I was more talking about on the grassroots level. Because if you think about, like, who needs our charity the most, it's it's that collection of, it's little me, you know, who I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, as a kid in high school and um, in college kind of struggling. And those are those are groups that Major League Baseball can't really work with because um, they're too big and they're focused on bigger stuff. But that's exactly why our, our charity exists. And um, so, I mean, it's we, we will work with Major League Baseball on different events. Like uh, last year, I took 17 flights during Pride Month alone, uh, going to different stadiums, um, giving speeches, talking talking to different groups, uh, kind of bringing our charity to different places. But uh, this year it's going to be even more, which is crazy because we're already booked out for June. Um, but, and actually where I am right now, we're, we're doing an event with the Baltimore Orioles during spring training. So, and I'm, I'm in, uh, in, in Southwest Florida right now. Um, but in, uh, going to Sarasota this weekend, but, yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of crazy to to have been so scared as a kid and felt like man, I'm never going to be able to play baseball again and to have come out and continue playing, but more importantly, I think now just to be kind of an advocate for the LGBT community in baseball and to be working with teams and coaches and and players and and kind of to try trying to make the path a little bit easier for the next people that come along. And you and I talked a little bit about maybe some future projects for what you guys are going to do as well. Cause I mean, you and I talked about a podcast, we talked about multiple things that maybe you can continue yeah. to get the message out for, for Pride yeah. baseball. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's so much opportunity for future stuff. I think we've really just like dipped our toe in and it's like really the deep end of the pool. Like, you know, I think times are changing. I think that coaches, most of the coaches that I've talked to have been somewhat open to to learning about this stuff. You know, if, if they kind of understand that this is something that can help three or four of their players every year to be the still going to boil down to on field success. Like, and, yeah. and you know, as any coach, you're trying to help your players in any way find success on the field. And if this is something that's going to allow for success on the field, you're going to get buy-in from coaches on it. Totally. And what I tell coaches, like I, and front office, I was speaking in front of the whole New York Mets leadership group um, 
Sandy Alderson and, and all of their whole front office last summer. And that's a group that spends a lot of money as we know, um, you know, with their owner. Um, I, my on-field performance improved so much when I was able to receive acceptance from teammates. Not only did I feel better at the plate and in the field, but statistically speaking, my batting average jumped up over a hundred points in college. I went from somebody who lost his starting spot to a freshman, you know, to leading the team talking about playing pro baseball. Huge. You know, I went and in the pros in, in indie ball, I went from somebody who was hitting, you know, before I kind of came out to my team, um, you know, the whole thing happened at Christmas, um, you know, got a, a spot in indie ball and started the season and, and I was hitting maybe two, 20 230 at the time and i started to wear rainbow shoelaces in my cleats um during pride month in june in 2021 and, and that's kind of how i came out to some of my teammates and from that moment i kept steadily improving finished the season hitting 335 in indie ball at our level you know so um I really statistically improved. I was talking to another player. There's been five or six guys who have come out um, across the, the pro and college ranks since I came out. Um, one of the guys, Solomon Bates, he was in double A for the Giants, right-handed pitcher, throws hard, um, reliever, you know, kind of a, a future. Uh, I'm just going to put this out in the ether, future MLB closer, you know, if he keeps progressing. Yeah, he's good, throws hard, good off-speed pitches, too. Um, I was talking to him. Solomon came out um, last season, towards the end of last season, and uh, he he was telling me on the phone a couple days ago about how he he feels better. Like, so this is not a this is not just a thing that is isolated to me. It's a message that I hear from lots of guys who have come out and have been accepted by their teammates. Solomon went down to winter ball this year in Venezuela and touched 97 for the first time, you know, and he's, he's, a, so that's huge for him and he's getting ready to, um, you know, head off to uh, spring training now, but um, it's really, you never know who it's going to be on your team. It could be anybody from the best player on the team to the bullpen catcher or, you know, the guy filling up water, uh, little cups of water for the <laughs> sitting on the, the water boy sitting on the end of the bench like it could be anybody and so i would just say if you're a coach listening to this podcast um think about it as something that you probably haven't done as best as you can do to sort of show acceptance toward this community um and you might just get really great performance out of three or four guys that you hadn't you know, been able to really reach before. And, and for me, it's a golden rule thing, whether it's, whether it's LGBTQ issues or your, your, you know, your heterosexual male players talking about females yeah. or race relations. I think it all goes into this inclusion piece where the golden rules are a thing, like treat people how you want to be treated. And, and yeah. sometimes 
I know it's difficult for some people to think about that sometimes, but it really does boil down to treating people the way that you would want to be treated and putting yourself in that person's shoes. Totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the thing that, the thing that always contrasts with LGBTQ, we're always put up against the religious group. Like, um, and I know that's a huge population in, in baseball, but honestly, I haven't had issues. And I say this just because one, it is an awkward thing to talk about, but two, so I feel like it's almost necessary Two, it just kind of sh to show how groups can coexist. Like I treat all my teammates with respect and I, expect the same so when when those guys who are who are doing bible study like before the before batting practice like when they talk to me they talk to me as a teammate they talk to me as the the guy who's um you know we're going to chipotle after the game like together like it's it, it's uh you know we're, we're put up up against each other in the media as these two groups but really man like we're we're taking batting practice we're in the training room we're in the ice. Bath, I tell people like, that all the time. I, like, I don't pay attention to the media. Like they, their yeah. their job is to create divisiveness in America. Yeah, like that's what their job is. Like to create clicks, create divisiveness. I'm like, hey, focus on like your 10 mile radius outside your house. Yeah. And and what's that telling you about human beings? And I think when you really focus on that way, it eliminates a lot of the BS and the noise that's out there in the media that, that people aren't supposed to like each other. If you don't have, if you have opposing views, like you're supposed to hate each other, like that's not an actual yeah. thing. When you get in rooms with people and have conversations, a lot of the places yeah. I hang out with, there's far right and far left at the places that I hang out with and they exist yeah. with each other fine. Yeah. Like uh, the thing I'm most proud of after all this, like coming out in USA Today and, and you know, being all over the media and doing all these interviews and starting the cherry and everything. Really the thing I'm actually proud of is the fact that I've been able to stay in baseball, yeah. like, and just to keep doing me and keep improving as a player and, and being the best version of myself that I can possibly be. And I'm really proud that I'm, I have not had an issue with any of my teammates. There's never been the locker room confrontation and there never will be. I don't think, I mean, because I carry myself like a pro and treat my teammates with respect, and I expect the same. And I think that, you know, the guys understand that. Like, and I think that as I talk to these players, that's the other thing. And one thing I'm talking to coaches, I'm talking to lots of straight people about this. You know, I'm also talking to that smaller population, but still significant population of, of gay people in baseball. Like, what do I do? These, these people are kind of ask me on a day-to-day -day basis to see some of the, you know, the emails that are sent to our charity and the messages on social media. What do I do? And I say, man, you got to carry yourself like a pro, like treat your, like when you step foot in that locker room, you know, hold your head high and, and be confident in who you are and be proud of who you are because it's going to be something that can help you be the best version of yourself. You know, when you live your life off the field and you and you get to go on dates and you fall in love and I've been with my partner for three and a half years and we're great you know I met his family his family's awesome like they've met my family you know it's like it works it really works and we're proud of that and it's that you can gain so much confidence in yourself from living your life and I don't think that people should like you know the guys in the locker room like we you my straight teammates, like they're talking about girls all the time. Like they go on dates. They, like 
believe me, we hear, <laughs> I hear all kinds of things. And, and the fact that I didn't let myself go on a date for, for 10 years, like that, that's really kind of puts a, when you shove your personal life to the side, you know, it, you just can't be the best version of yourself that you and can And that's really be. what it boils down to is you're wanting to be the best version of yourself and yeah. on the field and off the field, like on the field and yeah. off the field, be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And my partner, Max, like he got to come sit with the other friends and family, you know, in the section of the stadium when he came to our game for the first time. Um, he could never see me play ever. Like I would never let him come near the stadium just to kind of keep those worlds separate. He's met my teammates. We had, uh, in Indy ball, we, we were getting close to the championship in 2021, made it all the way to the championship game, the deciding game. And we like had champagne ready to pop. Like I went to, um, to target and got some of those goggles you know, and brought them to the clubhouse. Like I'm ready for the, for the party when we win. Cause we have been so locked down all season, like, you know, focus and everything. And, uh, our second baseman drew said to me in the clubhouse, turned to me and said, are you going to be at the party if we win tonight? And I was like, yeah, man, of course I'm looking at my goggles. I'm ready. Like, and he said, well, I just want to let you know if you're there, your boyfriend better be there too. And that was the moment of, because Drew is like a, you know, loves Jesus, loves country music, like <laughs> baseball player. Uh, he's a, you know, wants to be a cop after he, after he's done playing ball, like awesome, awesome dude. Um, like if somebody like that can, can be accepting of somebody like me, that's, that's great for the game of baseball. And what sucks is we didn't win that night, you know, tough loss. Um, so the party never happened, but I almost didn't care. Like at that point, um, it was just a sign of, I had been accepted, you know, amongst my teammates and I could just be me and play ball. And that was really the best feeling. By the way, you've picked two of the hardest industries to make it because baseball and the music industry, every time, you know, our convention has been in Nashville a million times. And when, you know, when you brought that up, like for me, the whole creative process, you, you go up and down Broadway, there's going to be people that you will never hear of that are extremely talented. And I think the music industry and the baseball industry are very similar from how difficult it is to actually make a living in, in both of those industries. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been playing country music for a while now. I've always kind of been the guy who has my guitar on the road, on the bus, um, at the hotel. In college, I would play these open mics and coffee shops and bars. And, you know, we had a little band that we would we play gigs like on certain nights where we wouldn't have games and practices. Um, and uh, I moved to Nashville in the off season in 2019 after my first season overseas. And I've been writing songs for country music artists here in Nashville. So um, lots of different different guys from Texas country to, to more Nashville pop country to there's even some pop singers who I'll write songs for and, and um, even a folk singer who I'm working with. So uh, how gratifying is that, though, when you actually write a song and somebody takes it? Yeah, it's 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 awesome, man. I mean, I just had my 21st cut as a songwriter. I've written hundreds of songs, but 21 of them have been recorded by real life country music artists, which is what 
I dreamed about, like, you know, moving to Nashville. And we we had one of them run up to number 13 on the iTunes country chart. So, man, I'm just kind of, you know, between baseball and country music, I mean, yeah, there are two worlds that are kind of tough to make it in, uh, period. But, like, you know, I kind of go at it with the baseball mentality. You can't get a hit every time you step up to the plate. And as long as you're just showing up every day and going to work, like something good's going to happen. You just got to not quit. And we go, like you said, up and down Broadway in Nashville. I saw all the coaches there when <laughs> during the convention at night. Um, I'm one of those guys that's playing in those bars and, you know, making – as you know, in indie ball, we don't really make a lot of money, so I need another job. So playing for tips, got the guitar case open, you know, playing country music. And um, even today, like I'm down here in Florida for spring training stuff. And I'm in Fort Myers right now and um, opened up my guitar case and was playing for tips at a outlet mall yesterday for three hours. And today I'm singing the the national anthem for the Atlanta Braves versus the Dominican Republic team in the world baseball classic tune-up game. And, uh, you know, later today and after that's over, I'm going to go back to the outlet mall and play for a couple hours, try to make some it's money. It's called busking, right? That's what it's called, yeah. right? Busking. So, I mean, yeah, it's hustling though. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot of that, but that's, that's my other job. And, um, you know, maybe one day there will be a proud to be in country music kind of charity. But right now we're got my hands full with one charity, you know, balancing all this stuff. So, you know, telling your telling your teammates and your coaches at Vassar, is that your one fail forward moment where you felt like, OK, this might sidetrack me because I might be out of baseball after this. But looking back now, maybe one of the yeah. best things that ever happened to you. I think so. I think every time I every time I've come out to someone it has gotten easier. The first conversation is always the toughest. I came out to one of my friends at college, you know, I told, um, I think that was, uh, I was 21 at the time. And each conversation after that has gotten a little bit easier and it's taken a little bit of weight off my chest. And um, that was really, that was the moment though, I felt like I was really in a pinch, like, man, I'm about to be named captain. Like, I don't know if they're gonna want me as their captain if they know this, so I kind of am stuck here and I kind of need to kind of just got to tell them and rip the bandaid off. My college coaches, well, every time, you know, something happened in practice, he'd say, rip the bandaid off. That was his, like his thing. <laughs> so I had to rip the bandaid off and just say it and life continued. And it was actually awesome. And um, if I'm a coach, I take that as a compliment that that a player of mine feels comfortable enough to come to me and 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 talk to me about this. Like as a coach, I'm taking this as a compliment. If if yeah. I have a player that's comfortable enough to come talk to me about any life issue, anything that they're dealing with that they're struggling with, I would take that as a compliment as a coach that okay, I'm I'm my player feels comfortable enough to talk to me about this. Totally. And I think, you know, in terms of who do you talk to? That's another thing. Um, if if you're in a situation where you don't have somebody to talk to, contact our charity. That's exactly why we exist. Like if you're listening to this and you you know you're you're struggling through this as I was, contact Proud to Be in Baseball because that's that's literally why we exist. Because I wanted to set this up to be able to do this. So 
you know, for, for people just like me in baseball. And um, having someone to talk to can make the world of difference. You know, if you're if you're a coach and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I should really say something about this or um, like. I don't and know. I have two friends. One one played for me at Iowa. One coached with me at Iowa. He was in the Highland Park uh, shooting. But mm-hmm. then Todd Blylevin was on the podcast with me. It was in the Vegas shooting. Those two have yeah. gotten connected, and they're they're running a podcast called Walking Tall right now to help people through traumatic events. Like and, yeah. and that that was in a roundabout way. Baseball brought those two together because of my connection to both of them, and Crazy. because I had talked to Todd, and then Chris went through it last summer. I was like, hey, you two need to get connected because they they were like, hey, we need to start this. So there's people out there that have been through traumatic events. They don't have anybody to talk to. And that's why the suicide rates are, are as high as they are right now. Yeah. You know, so though just out of baseball community itself, that was started at, because of the baseball community. Crazy. I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, talk about, you know, we all need, all of us as humans, we have an, a need for a connection. And we, we got to at least have a friend group of people that are similar to us. I got a whole huge friend group of people in baseball who are my teammates and ex-teammates and <laughs> bunch bunch of guys. Got played a journeyman guy, played all bunch of different places. But I never really had a friend group of of people who are like me in baseball. And so now that I've kind of been able to form that with proud to be in baseball, like it, we empower each other, you know, and uh, it it really is a positive thing. All right, what's well, some final thoughts before I let you go sing the national anthem here and kick off the, the World Baseball <laughs> Classic, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, man, I don't know. I, I guess the last thing I would say, you know, to the audience here. Well, hey, I do want to, how did you decide to pull the trigger on reaching out to me? Because that's not the easiest thing in the world to, to reach out to me. I know you're coming to the convention, but how were you able to pull the trigger on reaching out to me? I just thought, you know, we, we have a board of directors at our charity and our board of directors really just me and my friends. Like it's, it's you know, we're, we, we want to be a really, we are officially charity. We want to be a real bigger charity one day, but right now we're small and we're talking about who is the group that needs to hear this message the most talking about, you know, me and as a, as a younger kid, younger me, like, what could have helped me the most and man if i had received that messaging from the coaches that i had at an earlier age um, and it didn't take till i was 21 and about to be named captain in college to kind of go broach this topic like if i had that would have saved me years and years of of struggling so who is the group that can contact all those people and and can influence all those people well they all go to abca like that's the that is our market you know that's why we decided to get a booth like that's why we decided to go and it was great that was in our backyard in nashville this uh this winter um and that's kind of why i decided to pull the trigger on on contacting y'all and also you know saying something at the diversity presentation is just because you know this is I, I want this to be something that that's not controversial, you know, that can help other ball players like me and something that can help baseball be better and, and be the best, like I keep saying, be help baseball be the best version of itself that it can be to have different kinds of people in the game. We have seen 
the benefit of, you know, people said decades ago, a long time ago, people said black players can't play baseball. And now here we are in 2023 and many of the best players in the history of the game are black, you know, um, talking about one of the best players to ever pick up uh, a ball. Hank Aaron was someone who actually, you can look it up, um, said some very positive things in support of the LGBT community back in the 90s in Atlanta when it wasn't necessarily the coolest thing to support the LGBT community. Talking about a hero, a real hero who uh, who stuck his, his nose out in support of my community, you know, and someone who, who is a trailblazer in his own right, legendary, one of all-time greats. Um, and we have, now we see with Otani, you know, and I mean, not just Otani, but all kinds of players, uh, Japanese players and, and players from all around the world and of all different races and ethnicities and backgrounds. LGBT people are just another group. And I dream of a world where maybe this is in 10 years or 25 years or 50 or 100 years. Well, one of the one of the best baseball players ever, you know, when 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 I'm a senior citizen and kind of looking back on this is going to be a gay guy who has, who is out and proud and uh, blazes the trail for, for more players like him and inspires younger athletes to play baseball, to be proud to be in baseball. And I am somebody who's there at the very early stages of that uh, with Billy Bean and, and some Solomon Bates and some of these other people who are out in our sport and helping to make that world possible for that next generation. And, you know, that's, that's kind of why I came to ABCA, why I contacted y'all, why I'm trying to tell this story and why I want to continue working with as many baseball teams in high school and college and in the pros and, and with major league baseball as a whole way into the future, you know, to kind of build this world that we dream about. Brian, thanks for your time and uh, break a leg with the national anthem. <laughs> thanks, man. I've always believed that you have to have difficult conversations in order to grow. We'll have to have these types of conversations to continue to build inclusion within society and the baseball community. I appreciate Brian's willingness to share his story. Wish him the best of luck this season with his continuing work for Proud to be in Baseball. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Free. Set me free. You set me free.